Welcome back to Tanakhcast. This is episode 144. We'll begin and conclude the book of Nahum with a brief summary of chapters 1 through 3 and follow with some thoughts about total war and mercy. Nahum comes from the village of Alkosh. Contrary to many of the other prophets who come from identifiable locales, we don't really know where Alkosh is, and we can perhaps pinpoint the historical period for Nahum as he has some things to say about Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. So let's say Nahum is doing his thing on or around 612 BCE when Assyria topples and Nineveh is sacked. His psalm of seven verses praises God as, quote, a passionate avenging God. The Lord is vengeful and fierce in wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his enemies. He rages against his foes. God is an unstoppable force. Quote, the mountains quake because of him and the hills melt. The earth heaves before him, and the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his wrath? Who can resist his fury? His anger pours out like fire, and rocks are shattered because of him. Oh, damn! And why does Nahum go to such lengths to demonstrate God's power? To send a message both to the Jews and to the Assyrians. Don't fuck with me, fellas! This is as much swagger as history. As in 701 BCE, Judah had a close call with Sanchariv and the Assyrians almost destroying the homeland. So chapter 2 will elaborate on how Assyria is going to take it on the chin. Quote, A shatterer has come up against you. Man the guard posts, watch the road, steady your loins, brace all your strength. Nahum likens the Assyrian king, Assyria herself, to a lion, then wonders, quote, where is the lion that tore victims for his cubs and strangled for his lionesses and filled his lairs with prey and his dens with mangled flesh? Well, we know the answer. Chapter 3 goes into even more detail about the end of Nineveh, quote, city of crime, utterly treacherous, full of violence, where killing never stops. It is a city of sinfulness that will get what it deserves. Quote, I will lift up your skirts over your face and display your nakedness to the nations and your shame to kingdoms. And on that ruinous, getting pantsed note, here endeth the lesson. The prophet Nahum focuses all of his attention on the city of Nineveh as capital of Assyria. Now, we've talked about Assyria before in various contexts, most notably how they were the empire ascendant in the ancient Near East during the period of the divided kingdom, and how they eventually conquered and exiled the northern kingdom in 722 BCE and failed at a similar attempt to menace Judah into submission. And I may have talked about how the Assyrians handled themselves in these conflicts, but we know definitively from history and archaeology that the Assyrians were probably as cruel and vicious then as we know the Nazis were during World War II. And like the Nazis, the Assyrians were proud of their brutality and kept records to make sure that everyone knew how brutal they were to the people they conquered. Assyrian records, as well as the Tanakh, mention the military contacts between the Assyrian Empire and the small states of Israel and Judah. And I should say that I'm going to continue to refer to the Assyrians as Assyrians, even though most historians of this period refer to the Assyrians as Neo-Assyrians because of the transition in the empire between our period in question 
the 9th century to the end of the 7th century BCE and the period before it. It was during this Neo-Assyrian period that the empire reached its zenith. The Babylonian destruction of the capital city Nineveh in 612 BCE marks the end of the Neo-Assyrian Empire. So now to the evidence, or some of it, because the record is long and awful and, well, unpalatable. The two principal tasks of an Assyrian king were to engage in military exploits and to erect public buildings. Both of these tasks were regarded as a religious duty. They were, in effect, acts of obedience toward the principal gods of Assyria. These public buildings were often adorned with inscriptions in cuneiform, as well as artistic renderings of various historical events and military victories. The largest and most informative group of monuments are the reliefs sculpted into the stone slabs that line the palace walls in the empire's capital city, Kala, Dursharukin, and Ninveh. In these representations, the Assyrians never lost a battle. No Assyrian soldier is ever shown wounded or killed. The benevolence of the gods is always bestowed upon the Assyrian king and his troops. For example, in his official royal inscriptions, Ashurbanipal II calls himself the, quote, trampler of all enemies who defeated all his enemies and hung the corpses of his enemies on posts. Treatment of captured enemies often depended on the readiness to submit to the will of the Assyrian king, quote, the nobles and elders of the city came out to me to save their lives. They seized my feet and said, if it pleases you, kill. If it pleases you, spare. If it pleases you, do what you will. In one case, when a city resisted as long as possible instead of immediately submitting, Ashurbanipal proudly records his punishment. Quote, I flayed as many nobles as had rebelled against me and draped their skins over the pile of corpses. Some I spread out within the pile. Some I erected on stakes upon the pile. I flayed many right through my land and draped their skins over the walls. In a bronze relief that once decorated the wooden gates of a temple or palace at Balawat near modern Mosul, one can clearly see severed heads hanging from the walls of Kulisi as flames consume this ancient city near the source of the Tigris River. Beside the city, we see a prisoner bereft of hands and feet impaled on a stake. At left, an Assyrian soldier grasps the hand of a captive whose other hand and feet have been cut off. Dismembered hands and feet litter the ground. Another detail from the bronze relief from Balawat shows three stakes, each with eight male heads standing like human totem poles. The palace of Sargon's son and successor, Sancheriv, in Nineveh, was filled with reliefs. If lined up in a row, they would stretch almost two miles. In one inscription, Sancheriv reports, quote, I cut their throats like lambs. I cut off their precious lives as one cuts a string. Like the many waters of a storm, I made the contents of their gullets and entrails run down upon the wide earth. My prancing steeds, harnessed for my riding, plunged into the streams of their blood as into a river. The wheels of my war chariot, which brings low the wicked and the, in the evil, were bespattered with blood and filth. With the bodies of their warriors, I filled the plain like grass. Their testicles I cut off and tore out their privates like the seeds of cucumbers. In several rooms of Sancheriv's southwest palace at Ninveh, severed heads are represented. Deportation scenes are frequently depicted. Among the deportees depicted, there are long lines of prisoners from the Judahite city of Lachish. They are shown pulling a rope fastened to a colossal entrance figure for Sancheriv's palace at Nineveh. Suffice to say, these were not nice people. And Nahum revels in describing their ruin, but he alludes to the city of Noamon. Quote, Were you any better than Noamon, which sat by the Nile, surrounded by water, 
its rampart river, its wall consisting of sea. Noamon is the city of Thebes in Upper Egypt, which was captured by Ashurbanipal in 663 BCE. Thebes sprawled across both banks of the Nile, and after a gross miscalculation by the Egyptians, Thebes was added to a long list of cities plundered and destroyed by the Assyrians. Quote, this city, the whole of it, I conquered it with the help of Ashur and Ishtar, silver, gold, precious stones, all the wealth of the palace, rich cloth, precious linen, great horses, supervising men and women, two obelisks of splendid electrum, weighing 2,500 talents. The doors of temples I tore from their bases and carried them off to Assyria. With this weighty booty I left Thebes. Against Egypt and Cush I have lifted my spear and shown my power. With full hands I have returned to Nineveh in good health. Thebes remained an important religious center, but like Baghdad, after the Mongols invaded and sacked it in 1258, it never really recovered. So when Nahum ponders the fate of Noamon at the hands of Assyria, he wonders aloud, were you Nineveh any better? Quote, yet even she was exiled. She went into captivity. Her babes too were dashed in pieces at every street corner. Lots were cast for her honored men and all her nobles were bound in chains. This, I suppose, is the way of empires. One rises upon the ruin of another. Kings play their game of thrones. And Nahum is no different in celebrating the defeat of our enemies at the hands of another bigger force. But what he considers, perhaps for a moment, is something that is never considered in these epic tales. That amidst all the power plays, the marching armies, the palace intrigues, there are people regular people who are often crushed under the wheels of chariots and trampling hooves, that the civilians caught up in the siege suffer needlessly, like the people of Noamon at the hands of the Assyrians in 663 BCE, or the Ninvites at the hands of the armies of Babylon who sacked the city in 613 BCE. Or even the people of Dresden, who in February 1945 were firebombed for two days straight. Or the people of Hiroshima, who in August of 1945 were only civilians ever to be targets of a nuclear weapon. Or civilians in numerous locations across the Middle and Near East, including Libya, Syria, Gaza, Yemen, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. The walls of Nineveh were plastered with words and images of subjugation and cruelty. And for Nahum, the people who reveled in those victories will get their comeuppance, and deservedly so. But for a moment, he asks us to consider that even those people who didn't pull the trigger, but may have cheered it on, even they deserve our sympathy and maybe even a little mercy, but only for a moment. If you like what you heard today, spread the word about TanakhCast. Send a friend an email to say, Hey, would it kill you to check out TanakhCast? Or even better, write a brief review at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Smart Radio, or SoundCloud. It's a small thing, really, but it will help other people who might be interested in some Bible learning find this podcast. Or if you want to help in a bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that, and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for episode 145, when we begin and complete the eighth book in the Book of Twelve with Habakkuk chapters 1 through 3.